Welcome to the Coming Out of the Dark Bible Study with Pastor John. Tonight's study will be in the book of John. We invite you to join us at 514 Smithfield Avenue in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. place for us in my father's house. Amen. I'm glad I'm in my father's house tonight. Amen. Keeps me safe, protected from all harm. I couldn't wait to get here. 
Thank you, Jesus, right? For giving us this place of shelter. Yes. To this day, it still behooves me why Christians don't hold it so high to come here and get what they need so they can get a reprieve from that, yes. get fueled for it. Amen. You pray that they find it some way, they find their way. I know this helps me immensely to be here with my brothers and sisters. To, that transformation process and development is crucial to be connected to a body, like the Bible tells us. Amen? So we don't stunt our growth. One body, many pods. All right. It's really good to see everybody tonight. As always, I'm glad I'm here. Glad to be alive. Another breath, another day with the Lord. Another day closer to being with Him permanently. Amen? All right. We got a beautiful scripture up there. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to go start there tonight and we're going to continue our finish our study in the book of John and maybe we can introduce another book tonight we'll see how it goes let the spirit speak amen, amen. so the Holy Spirit is going to take over so I please ask you to be aware of that and attentive to it so we don't let anybody get misled or taken out of the spirit tonight amen, amen. Be, be aware of your surroundings so people do not get distracted very important all right second Corinthians <clears throat> chapter 1 we're going to start a little bit back, just a little bit. No, you know what? Let's go to one. Why not? And keep the context of the scripture. We always want to keep the context of what we're reading. Okay. Greetings from Paul. So we know he's talking to the Corinthians, and his name is Paul, the apostle. And right now he's talking to us. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and from our brother Timothy. I am writing to God's church in Pawtucket. <laughs> One body, many pots. Believe me, he's talking to us right now. This is just as alive then, now as it was then. Okay, he's talking to us right now. And to all his holy people throughout Greece or throughout the world. Look at verse 2. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. That's very comforting. We need a lot of grace and a lot of peace in this world of turmoil that we live in. Not only the world, but in our own hearts. The turmoil that one within us. That our sin nature always does to us. And the devil. <laughs> Now look what it says. God offers comfort to all. Thank you, he offers this to everybody. All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is, God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. So we know the God of the Bible is our merciful Father, okay? And he is the source of all comfort for us, amen? He's not some consuming fire or judge. The Bible tells us clearly who he is. Our merciful Father. In the source of all comfort, he comforts us in all our troubles. Why? So that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. So if we're not getting any comfort from God, we're not going to be able to give anybody else that comfort. So first we have to experience God's comfort. Amen? Trust and believe in him. Okay? That's very important. For the more we suffer for Christ, see, it doesn't say for the more we get blessed. It says the more we suffer for Christ, 
the more God will shower us with his comfort. Like when I, I was so great, grateful to take a shower tonight after working, sweating in the body shop and everything, that shower, that water just... Just felt fantastic, right? Well, just think about what he's saying. He showers us with his comfort. If we trust the Lord, he showers us with comfort, his comfort through Christ, which is through the word. That's why it's so important. That's why we read the word. It's through his word. Even when we are weighed down with troubles, and a lot of us are, correct? We always get weighed down with troubles. Look what it says. It is for your comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. That's why it's so important to share each other's burdens with each other and not always hide everything that's going on with us. See, when we have a burden, we share it with someone else and then we can offer them comfort. Amen? Yeah. But if we, how can we offer any comfort if nobody, and nobody's asking for any comfort? Right. right? It's so important that we open up to each other and get to know each other. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. We are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort God gives us. Okay? Look at verse 8. We're going to go a little bit further with this. This is a this really good principle here. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. Ever get that, Wayne? You're in the ministry? You feel like everything's so heavy. You never think you're going to make it through. The same thing happened. It's no different from what happened to them. Look what it says. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result of all this, as a result of the brokenness, that's what he's trying to say here. As a result of our brokenness, Look what it says. We stopped relying on ourselves and learned. See it? There's a principle here. We learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. Amen? And he did rescue us from mortal danger, and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him, and he will continue to rescue us. Amen? And as you are helping us by praying for us, so we need God. And we need the brothers and sisters to pray for us, right? God puts us all connected on a team, right? Team Jesus. We're all on Team Jesus. We need to pray for each other. See it? Praying for us. Then many people will give thanks because God has graciously answered so many prayers for our safety. Amen? Amen. I, know, I know when I got very ill, people prayed for me. And I'll tell you why. It, it came through. You know, I didn't even think I was going to make it at one point. And then all of a sudden... The next day I woke up, I felt better. And I know it was only the prayers because there was nothing they could do. Amen? Yeah. God did it. God did it through the prayers. Yeah. And, and, and relying on him instead of the doctors. Amen? The, well, the doctor said there's really nothing we could do for you. We'd have to ride this out. But okay, I'm going to ride it out with Jesus and my family. Amen? And I came through better and stronger than ever. Amen? Thanks to all you and God. One body, many parts. I know, I know it was that for a fact. Not a doubt in my mind, amen? God works through the doctors and through our church and everything else to make us become complete again, amen? We have to be wise about things like that. Thank you, Jesus. All right, let's get back into the book of John. Let's finish this up tonight, hopefully. 
Let's go to John chapter 21. We're going to pick up where we left off. If anybody remembers where we left off. We did leave off at verse 17, but we're just going to back up to 15 and come down, finish reading it, and then I'm going to elaborate on what the principles are in, this, in these verses. Amen? Okay. Verse 15. Jesus was serving breakfast on the shoreline. Remember we talked about this? Jesus actually made breakfast for the people. They didn't make breakfast for him. Him, God, made breakfast for his people. Amen? That's, that's, how, it, that's how it works in the spiritual life. Not only do we, the leaders become servants, don't become like dictators. Amen? They serve the people. A third time, look at it says in verse 15. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these, or more than these others do? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. He's telling him, if you really love me, you will feed my sheep. You will take care of my house, my people. Okay? That's what he said. The third, then, then Jesus repeated the question to verse 16. Simon, 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 son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep. Second time he says it, Jesus said. Third time he asked him, Simon, verse 17, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. I guess Jesus might have been hurt when, when Peter denied him three times, right? I guess he made him, this is what it feels like when, when you feel like something happened, like when you, when, you, when you get discouraged. Look what he said. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said for the third time, then feed my sheep. He's saying the proof that you love the Lord is taking care as being a servant to Him. That's the proof that you love Him. Not by singing and reading and clapping, but by serving Him. Amen? That's the proof. That's the evidence that you love Him. That you'll put your things aside for Him. Now it says in verse 18, I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. I wonder what he meant by that. Well, the Bible tells us. Look at this. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. See, it was explained. Then Jesus told him, follow me. Verse 20. Peter turned around and saw behind them the disciple Jesus loved. Okay, and we know who that was, right? John, okay? The one who had leaned over to Jesus during supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? Hey, see, this is what people do right away. Well, what about John? What are you going to do? I know you're telling me about me, but what about him? How's he, what's going to happen to him? Look what Jesus says. Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. So the rumor spread among the community of believers that this disciple wouldn't die. See, they misinterpreted it. They took it. They didn't, understand, they, took, they didn't understand what he said, right? They took it out of context. Jesus never said he wasn't going to die. He just said, it's really none of your business what I'm going to do with him. 
It's, you stay focused on what I'm going to do with you. It's the same thing with people in church. They always focus, oh, I wish so-and-so was here to read this. I wish so-and-so. No, it's for you. Focus on what's going on with you. That's what it's all about. You, what, it's none of your business about anybody else, Jesus is trying to tell him. Focus, he says, follow me. Now look at it says, so the rumor spread that the disciple, that that isn't what Jesus said at all. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? Verse 24, this disciple is the one who testifies to these events and has recorded them here. And we know that his account of these things is accurate. So they're locking in that this is true, is an accurate account, is that's how it happened. Amen? In verse 25, Jesus also did many other things. If they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. So imagine the fill in the blanks here. So the only the, a few of the things were recorded that Jesus actually did in the Bible. He did way more, it says right here, Jesus also did many other things. If they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. Just imagine how many things that he did that we know nothing about. Okay, just the accounts that the Bible is written. We, we can just imagine how many other things he did, but the things of importance are for us are written down there for us. Amen. The other things we can always ask when we go home to be with him. Lord, what else did you do down there? And he could bring us through it all again. But it's not for us to focus on. Oh, I wonder what else he did. Let me see if I can find out if somebody else knows what Jesus did back then and go outside the Bible and try to get someone else's vague what might have happened in between. Why are we going to know what happened in between? If God wanted us to know how it all went down and happened in between, it would be in the book. Right. We don't have to understand and try to say, oh, I wonder how they were or what they did, what, what kind of... It doesn't really matter. It's the principles of the Bible that we're to focus on, amen? We could easily get sidetracked and try to get involved and see what else is going on. And there's a lot of stuff that does that, but I don't like to get involved with any of that. I like to just stay with the written word of God, Amen. Because other than that, we don't know. It's just an assumption of what could have happened. And what happens when we assume? Okay. And there's a lot of things. There's even like TV shows and stuff to try to fill in the blanks with that. I don't want nothing to do with it. I need to focus on what is written. Amen? Not what's not written. That's just the curiosity. You know what curiosity did, right? Curiosity killed the cat, right? So curiosity could also ruin our spiritual growth, too. If we try to go outside the word and try to fill in the blanks. Yeah. It goes to go beyond what's written. Amen? Yeah. That'd be dangerous. But a lot of people say, well, that's harmless. No, because it takes the focus off what we need to be focusing on. Amen? Which is the words. All right, now I'm going to elaborate from verse 15 down from, in chapter 21. In the beach scene, okay, Jesus on the beach giving him breakfast, right? Jesus led Peter through an experience that removed the cloud of his denial, okay? Peter had denied Jesus three times, right? Remember that, right? He denied him three times. Three times Jesus asked Peter if he loved him. When Peter answered yes, Jesus told him to feed his sheep. 
It is the one thing to say you love Jesus. Listen now. To say you love Jesus, but the real test is willingness to serve Him. That's the real test. Willingness to serve Him and put your selfish ways aside. That really proves if you really love Him. Okay? That's just the Bible. It's nothing to do with me. Okay? Peter had repented. And, and here Jesus was asking him to commit his life. Peter's life changed when he finally realized who Jesus was. Okay? His occupation changed from fisherman to evangelist. Okay? His identity changed from impetuous to rock. Okay? And his relationship to Jesus changed. He was forgiven, and he finally understood the significance of Jesus' words about his death and resurrection. Amen? And okay, in, verse, in, 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 in chapter 21, verses 15 to 17, Jesus asked Peter three times if he loved him. The first time Jesus said, do you love? Right? That's agape. Okay? Volitional, self-sacrificial love in the Greek. Okay? It's agape love. Me more than these? The second time Jesus focused on Peter alone and still used the word translated into the Greek agape. The third time Jesus used the word translated into Greek phileo, signifying affection, affinity, or brotherly love. Okay? And asked in effect, are you even my friend? Okay? Each time Peter responded with the word translated into Greek as phileo. Jesus didn't settle for quick superficial answers. He, was, he has a way of getting to the heart of the matter. Amen? Jesus has stopped. I'm going to ask you again, do you love me? Think about what you're saying. Jesus always has a way of making us think when he speaks, amen? That's why he asked them three times. Think about what you're saying. Do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Again, Jesus said, do you love me? Yes, you know I love you. Then feed my sheep. The third time he asked, do you? yes, you know I love me. He says, obey me. That's what the third time was. If you love me, you'll obey me. See, there's all different types of translations that we can understand here okay because that's why we need to that's why we need to study the bible amen there's a significance to everything said and how many times it's done that everything that's written in the bible has a significance amen always and i'm going to try to help you understand that all right peter had to face his true feelings and motives when jesus confronted him okay how would you respond if jesus asked you do you love me do you really love me? Are you even my friend? Something to think about, right? In verses 18 and 19, this was a prediction of Peter's death by crucifixion. Okay, tradition indicates that Peter was crucified for his faith. Upside down, they say. And what's the reason why? Because he didn't feel worthy of dying as his Lord did. That's why. That's, that's just the tradition. That's why. So, that's pretty much, that sounds like that might be, that, we don't really know why, I mean, but that could have something to do with it. Despite what Peter's future held, Jesus told him to follow him, to follow him. We may be uncertain and fearful about our future, but if we know God is in control, like I always say, we can confidently follow Christ, amen? If we really understand that God is in control of your life. You can fully follow Him and not have any reservations about it. Amen? If you really, really understand it. That's why it's so important. God is in control of your life. As a believer, 
He goes before us, and he puts the situations in front of us, and he expects us to handle things the right way. And he actually gives us the power to do it the right way by giving us the Holy Spirit and his word. The Holy Spirit is the word. The Holy Spirit is our teacher of the word. Amen? It's all in the words of God. If we don't read the word of God, we will never be able to respond properly. Amen? That's why it's so important that we read the words of God. Can I get an amen for that? It should be the focus of any church. Okay. You with me so far? Yeah. Now, in verse 21 and 22, Peter asked Jesus how John would die. Jesus replied, okay? What did Jesus say? Jesus replied that Peter should not concern himself with that. We tend to compare our lives to others. Amen? Whether to rationalize our own level of devotion to Christ or to question God's justice. Jesus' response to us as he did to Peter, what is that to you? Remember what he said to Job? Okay, Job, you had your time asking questions about me. Now it's my turn, remember? He said, where were you when I put all this together? Okay, so we understand. We get a little bit like Jobish at times, right? We get Jobish, ask questioning God and why he's doing what he's doing. Just imagine if you were sitting there like this. And he said, okay, shut up now. Where were you when I put all this together? We'd be quiet, wouldn't we? Well, the Bible's already there. The account has already been made. He's saying, listen, don't have, God doesn't have to answer you. He doesn't have to tell you why he does what he does. All you have to do is understand what he does is best for us. Amen? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. When we can understand that, we can develop and grow. Instead of saying, why God, why? When God, when? Who, why, when, where? Why is this happening to me? I'm such a good Christian. Well, good Christians are supposed to get persecuted. That is a good Christian, that you do get persecuted for the glory of God. Can I get any amen for that? Well, if you're in the flesh, you're going to get an ouch. Ouch, ouch, why God, ow, everything hurts. But he's trying to transform us and saying, listen, I'm trying to let you follow your spirit and not your flesh. I'm trying to kill off your flesh. Amen? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Thank you. <laughs> okay. All right, let me, let's say, as, uh, what is it to you? In verse 23, early church history reports that after John spent several years as an exile on the island of Patmos... Okay, he returned to Ephesus where he died as an old man near the end of the first century. In verse 25, John's stated purpose for writing his gospel was to show that Jesus was the Son of God. In verse 31, he clearly and systematically presented the evidence for Jesus' claims. Okay, when evidence is presented in the courtroom, who, those who hear it must make a choice. Amen? Those who read the Gospel of John must also make a choice. Is Jesus the Son of God or isn't he? You are the jury. The evidence has been clearly presented. You must decide for yourself, is Jesus the Son of God? All the evidence points that he is. Don't you agree? Yes. So I believe it. Amen? Now we have to say, where do we walk from there on? We walk by faith now. We believe the accounts, they were written down for us, and they are accurate. Amen? All right, guess what? We finished the book of John. And I'm going to introduce a new book tonight, and I'm excited about it. 
Does anybody have any idea what it's going to be? Somebody said it last week. Nope. Deuteronomy. We're going there tonight. Okay, I just want you to understand, I'm going to lay some groundwork tonight. We might not get into any of the verses, but we have to understand that we're going into the Old Testament. We are not under the Old Covenant anymore. We have to go into this with an open mind, because there's 30 chapters in the book of Deuteronomy. And what could happen to us is if we stay focused on that, we could end up getting too afraid of God, or we could get pharisaical and judgmental because of it. So we have to understand we're under a new covenant. The principles of Deuteronomy are spiritual principles now for us to let us realize to develop a healthy fear of God. Amen? That's what they're there for, to help us develop a healthy fear of God and to show us what happens when we're disobedient. Amen? Okay. Everybody likes that book, right? Everybody's excited about this? I am. When I started getting into it, I said, wow, this is interesting. This is a very interesting book. Because it really explains everything that happened. I mean, as, as we were reading in the Daily Walk, I think it was Psalm 101 and 102, it was talking about the whole account of the Old Testament. It was really beautiful. Okay. I'm going to introduce Deuteronomy. You can keep your finger in chapter one, in chapter, in chapter one but I got uh, some important things to lay the. I'm going to lay the groundwork. Amen. All right. So stay focused. This is going to be really interesting and awesome. A lot of churches really don't teach this, and because there's a reason why, because people get Pharisaical because of this. The law, this, that. the law was just, the, the law presented them not having an excuse for not knowing what God wanted them to do. The law was written for that reason that they were out excuse. Amen? Okay. We're not under the law, we're under what? We're under the freedom of God's grace now. Amen? Okay. Deuteronomy. Family reunions, photo albums, familiar songs. And old neighborhoods like longtime friends, they awaken our memories and stir our emotions. Amen. You ever have a song from way back when? It brings you right back to the place you were. You ever smell like a grill going? You remember a family outing or something? Something brings to, all these things bring to memory things. Amen? We understand that. The past is a large collection of promises, failures, victories, and embarrassments. Agreed? Sometimes we want to forget memories that are too painful. As the years pass, however, remembrances of unpleasant events usually fade away. Like they say, time heals all wounds, right? Sometimes, not always. Okay. But there is a time to remember. Mistakes should not be repeated. Okay? Commitments made must be fulfilled. And the memory of special events can encourage us to, and, to move up, and move us into action. The book of Deuteronomy is written in the form of a treaty between a king and his vassal state typical of the second millennium B.C. Okay, It calls Israel to remember who God is and what he has done. Lacking faith, the old generation had wandered for 40 years Okay, and had died in the wilderness. They left Egypt behind, but never knew the promised land. Then, on the east bank of the Jordan River, Moses prepared the sons and daughters of the faithless generation to possess the land, the next generation. Remember? After a brief history lesson emphasizing God's great acts on, 
on behalf of his people, Moses reviewed the law. Then he restated the covenant, God's contract with his people. The lessons are clear. Because of what God has done, Israel should have hope and follow him. Because of what he expects, they should listen and obey. Because of who he is, they should love him completely. Amen? They should, right? Learning these lessons will prepare them to possess the promised land. It's the same thing for us. God is preparing us through the lessons in our life for the promised land. But it's not a place anymore. It's a state of mind. He puts us through all the things so we can learn to trust him and rely on him and develop and get into the promised land after we face all the giants that hinder us, right? Lack of faith, depression, anger, bitterness, right? Like he took out the Jebusites, the Hittites, all slowly as he develops us and brings us into the promised land. Now, will every Christian that believes in Jesus get to the promised land here? No. But every believer who believes in Jesus will get to the promised land in heaven. You understand? But down here, he wants us to experience it now. And the only way that's going to happen if we learn the painful lessons that, the, that he tried to teach them in Israel. If we learn them painful lessons, we too can experience the promised land, all the fruits of the Spirit being manifest while we're still here. Amen? It's an awesome place to be. Wouldn't you love to wake up every day just in peace? And whatever's going on, you got a flat tie or somebody's desk, you lost your job, you lost your health. And still be comfortable and say, it's okay, it's in God's hands. He's in control. And be stable. Isn't that what everybody wants? Well, you can't get stable any other way but trusting and obeying the word of God. And that takes time to develop into that, right? It takes time. We're a work in progress, amen? All right. Are you with me so far? Okay, stay with me now. I'll keep you awake. Okay. As you hear the message of Deuteronomy, remember how God has expressed his kindness in your life and then commit yourself anew to trust, love, and obey him. Amen? All right, now I'm going to do the statistics. I'm going to give us the vital statistics, the author, the audience. All right, the purpose to remind the people of what God has done and encourage them to rededicate their lives to him. Author, Moses, except for the final summary, which was probably written by Joshua after Moses' death. Original audience, Israel, the new generation entering the promised land. The date written, about 1407 to 1406 B.C. Setting, the east side of the Jordan River in view of Canaan, so they could see it from across the river. The key verse Understand, therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is the faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations and lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commands, which is Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9. The key people in Deuteronomy, Moses and Joshua. The key place, the Arabah in Moab. Timeline, they're saying, well, we'll just go to the blueprint. The blueprint, what God has done for us, Moses' first address. Moses reviewed the mighty acts of God for the nation of Israel, okay? Remembering God's special involvement in our lives gives us hope and encouragement for the future, amen? I'm going to try to go back and forth with this. Principles for godly living, Moses' second address. One, the Ten Commandments. 
Two, love the Lord your God. Three, laws for proper worship. Four, laws for ruling the nation. Five, laws for human relationships. Six, consequences of obedience and disobedience. Okay? Obeying God's laws brought blessings to the Israelites, and disobeying brought misfortune. This was part of the written agreement God made with his people. Although we are not part of this covenant, the principle holds true. Obedience and disobedience carry inevitable consequences in this life and the next. Amen? Okay. A call for commitment to God. Moses' third address. Moses called the people to commitment. God still calls us to be committed to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. How about an amen for that? D, the, cha the change in leadership. Moses' last days, although Moses made some serious mistakes, and he really did, he had lived uprightly and carried out God's commands. Moses died with integrity. We too make some serious mistakes. How about an amen for that? We do. But that should not stop us from living with integrity and godly commitment. Amen? We understand that we're under God's grace and His mercy. And the Old Testament is there to remind us really how much we should love Jesus. Because what He did before Christ and what He's doing after Christ is a big difference. Thank God we're under the new covenant. Amen? And it's going to give us a greater appreciation of Jesus in the process. Amen? Because they had law, we have Christ. It's a big difference. We have the law of love now, not of justice and judgment. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Okay, in the mega themes, explanation. Moses reviewed the mighty acts of God whereby he liberated Israel from slavery in Egypt. Remember the account, right? He recounted how God had helped them and how the people had disobeyed. Important. By reviewing God's promises and mighty acts in history, we can learn about his character. Don't I always say that? God's character is revealed where? From Genesis to Revelation. That's why it's important to read it. We come to know God more intimately through understanding how he has acted in the past. Agreed? We can also avoid mistakes in our own lives through learning from Israel's past failures. Remember it says in the New Testament, these things were written for our admonition to warn us of things that can happen if we're disobedient. That's why it's so important to read it. If you don't know what happened to them, then you could be disobedient. So why is God chastening me? I don't understand. Well, read the Old Testament. You'll understand the principles. Why? Amen? You have to. How many in here think the Old Testament is not important? Oh, good. All these think it's important? The whole Bible is important. It's God's words to us. Is, is it just as important to read the Old Testament as it is to read the New Testament? Absolutely 100%. 100%. And we do that with the daily walk, right? We're just going through it now. It's an awesome thing to read that daily walk, isn't it? It gives us insight and fellowship. It keeps us structured and in line with God, doesn't it? It's just it's a good thing, right? We do it because it's the right thing to do, and it helps us to learn, right? It's a good thing. We should all do it. And they'd be part of the ministry. Okay? Laws. Explanation. God reviewed his laws for the people. 
The legal contract between God and his people had to be renewed by the new generation about to enter the promised land. They didn't know the old laws, remember? There's another generation coming up. They had to be taught. Importance. Commitment to God and his truth cannot be taken for granted. Each generation and each person must respond afresh to God's call for obedience. That's why it's important, right? Now I'm going to talk about love. Explanation for love. God's faithful and patient love is portrayed more often than his punishment. Could I get an amen for that? Amen. Everybody thinks God punishing me, right? Let me tell you something. We get way, we get, we get way less than we deserve from God, amen? And we get way more blessings than we do chastened from God. Believe me. And look what it says. God shows his love by being faithful to his people and his promises. In response, God desires love from the heart. Not merely a legalistic keeping of his law. This is what happens in church. I go to church faithfully. I'm here every week. Three times a week. I read my Bible. God has to be happy with me. Look, you can do that all that. The Pharisees did the same thing. But their hearts weren't with God. They did it outwardly, not inwardly. They didn't love God with all their heart, soul, and mind. It was just outward. Inside, they were full of dead men's bone and self-indulgence. They were just sort of playing church. Okay. Importance. God's love forms the foundation for our trust in Him. He loves us unconditionally. Listen, if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be able to do this. He loves us. Look, He sees me perfect every day I wake up. Do I? No. I see myself as what? Wretched. Because I can't keep up with it. But if I understand His unconditional love for me, I can start to learn to love myself. Even when I make mistakes. See, when I can love myself, then I can love others and let them make mistakes. You see the difference? If you don't have love in your heart for yourself, you can't extend that love to your brothers and sisters. You have to understand unconditional love. I love you unconditionally. It doesn't matter if you were good today or not. That's what God says. I see you as I see Jesus every day, God says. He says, I want you to do the same thing about yourself. I want you to see your, my son in you, not your sins in you. That's what he wants you to see. And once you can see his son, your sins will, 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 will lose their power. But then we get what? Pharisaical. Oh, don't say that in front of me. You shouldn't do this and you shouldn't say that. And I'm saying, we were just as bad as they ever were. If not worse, we have no right to say that to someone because we came to Jesus. That's what turns people off. Oh, you're holier than thou now. And that makes us Pharisees and what? Unloving and unkind. And the unbelieving bro says, I don't want nothing to do with that. That's why it's important to show Christ-like character wherever we go. And not be judgmental. Okay? God's love forms the foundation of our trust in Him. We trust Him because He loves us. Because God loves us, we should maintain justice and respect. Can I get an amen for that? Thank you. Teaching. God commanded the Israelites to teach their children his ways. It's important for us to teach our children God's ways. Listen, they would use ritual. Listen how they would do it now. They would use ritual, instruction, and memorization to make sure their children understood God's principles and pass them on to the next generation. They used what? Ritual? What? Ritually coming to church all the time, doing this faithfully, right? Showing them this is what we do, right? 
instruction, by God's instructions, we teach our children God's instructions, and memorization of Scripture to make sure that children understood God's principles and passed them on to the next generation. What's happening with America today? People are not passing down the church to the children, right? They stop going to church, and they don't think it's important to teach their children about God anymore. And what's the result of it? You see what's going on out there, right? Can I get an amen for that? That's why it's so important. All right. Are are you with me so far? All right. Deuteronomy chapter 1. What God has done for us, Moses' first address, okay, before we get there. God has led his people out of Egypt. I'm going to just lay this out. And through the great wilderness for 40 years. Now they stand ready to enter the promised land. But before the Israelites go into the land, Moses has some important advice to give them. He delivers his advice in three parts. In the first, Moses reviews the history of God's previous care for the people of Israel. Through God's action in the past, we could learn about the God we serve today. Amen? Okay. I think I laid the groundwork pretty well. Okay? Let's get into the um, Deuteronomy chapter 1. Verse 1. These are the words that Moses spoke to all the people of Israel while they were in the wilderness east of the Jordan River. Okay. Who was he talking to? All the people of Israel while they were in the wilderness east of the Jordan River. They were camped in the Jordan Valley near Suf, between Paran on one side and Tophel, Laban, Hazaroth, and the Zahab on the other. Normally it takes only 11 days to travel from Mount Sinai to Kadesh Barnea going by the way of Mount Seir. But 40 years after the Israelites left Egypt, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses addressed the people of Israel, telling them everything the Lord had commanded him to say. This took place after he had defeated King Sihon of the Amorites, who ruled in Heshbon, and at Edri had defeated King Og of Bashan, who ruled in Ashtaroth. I remember saying all these names at one time when I was doing the daily walk. Lord, please get me through this. <laughs> that was all Holy Spirit, by the way. That wasn't me. I can't pronounce that stuff. While the Israelites were in the land, verse 5, of Moab, east of the Jordan River, Moses carefully explained the Lord's instructions as follows. The command to leave Sinai. When we were at Mount Sinai, the Lord our God said to us, You have stayed at this mountain long enough. It is time to break camp and move on. Go to the hill country of the Amorites and to all the neighboring regions. The Jordan Valley, the hill country, the western foothills, the Negev, and the coastal plain. Go to the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon, and all the way to the great Euphrates River. Look, I am giving all this land to you. Go and occupy it, for it is the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, Jake, and Jacob, and to all their descendants. Okay, before we go any further, I'm going to explain some of that now. And then we're going to have to close because we're already out of time. 
Is everybody with me so far? All right. Okay. All right. Deuteronomy, verses 1 and 2. The Israelites spent 40 years on a journey that should have lasted 11 days. It only took 11 days to get to the promised land. It took them 40 years. Imagine. Okay. It wasn't distance that stood between them and the promised land. It was, listen now, it wasn't distance. It was the condition of their hearts. That's what kept them from getting in. Okay? God's purpose went deeper than simply transporting a huge group of people to a new land. He was preparing them to live in obedience to Him once they arrived. What good was the promised land if the Israelites were just as wicked as the nations already living there? Can I get any men for that? Look, he was training them. He said, I'm not going to give you a land full of wicked people if you're wicked the same way. Why am I going to give it to you? Can I get any men? So that's why he had to do what he do. Their hearts were hard. So we had to, what, break them out in the wilderness for 40 years. What does he do with us as Christians? He breaks us and breaks us down because we have hard hearts. Before we enter that land of promise, he fills us with, we get filled with doubt and persecution and adversities. And he's testing us through the whole thing to see where our hearts are. It's the same thing. What do you think he's doing? It only says an 11 day journey. Just imagine you can get all this in 11 days. Get into the promised land. The Bible says, if you obeyed me and listen, everything I taught you from when you first come to me, 11 days you'd be in already. How long has it been taking us already? All right, to really trust and obey this word. Can I get an amen for that? Longer than 40 years. And we have more information that they had. And we're, we're, and he says, we're, well, I'm not letting you in here because you're good. Because he called them stiff-necked, stubborn people. I'm putting you in because I promised you that I was going to get you there. Because God can't, he always has to keep his promise. Amen? Okay. The journey was a painful but necessary part of their preparation. Through it, God taught the Israelites who he was, the living God, the leader of their nation. He also taught them who they were, people who were fallen, sinful, prone to rebellion and doubt. He gave his rebellious people the law to help them understand how to relate to God and to other people. Your spiritual pilgrimage may be lengthy, and you may face pain, discouragement, and difficulties, but remember that God isn't just trying to keep you alive, okay? He wants to prepare you to live for service and devotion to Him. Can I get an amen for that? Okay, so that's this is what this is all going to be about. He wants to prepare you to live for service and devotion. The forty years of wilderness wandering come to the come to the um come to Him. Wait, a the, the forty years of wilderness wandering come to an end in this book. Okay, the events of Deuteronomy cover only a week or two of the 11th month of the 40th year. And 1-3, the 12th and last month was spent in mourning for Moses. Okay, in verse 8, then the Israelite entered the promised land the first month of the 41st year after the Exodus. Okay, which was in Joshua 4, verse 19. In verses 6 and 7, notice that Moses' summary of Israel's 40-year journey begins at Mount Sinai, not in Egypt. 
It begins at Mount Sinai, not in Egypt. I found that, I, I, I didn't know that myself until I read it. Not in Egypt. Why did Moses leave out the first part of the Exodus? Moses was not giving an itinerary. He was summarizing the nation's development. In Moses' mind, the nation of Israel began at the base of Mount Sinai, not in Egypt. For it is at Mount Sinai that God gave his covenant to the people. Like in Exodus 19, verse 20. Along with this covenant came knowledge and responsibility. Can I get an amen for that? Do you think the new covenant we're under now requires knowledge and responsibility? Absolutely. Are you with me so far? Okay. After the people chose to follow God, they had to know how to follow Him. We become believers, but we got to know how to do it, right? We have to get taught how to do it. And that's what reading the Bible is all about and teaching the Bible. Therefore, God gave them a comprehensive set of laws and guidelines that stated how He wanted them to live. These are found in the books of Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. The people could no longer say they didn't know the difference between right and wrong. Neither can we, can we? Can we tell we don't know the difference between right and wrong? Absolutely not. We know the law, we know what God wants us to do, and he gives us the power to do it, amen? And our wandering takes a long time for us to become obedient to that. Okay, let me ask you this, okay? They had a responsibility to do it, God knew how to follow them. When God tells you to break camp and move out to face the challenge he gives you, will you be ready to obey? That's the question. All right, we're going to stop there. So when we pick up again at verse 9 of Deuteronomy, but I pretty much laid the groundwork so far, right? This is going to be really good, but just always keep in mind, we're under God's grace, not under the law. It's just to help us develop a healthy fear of God and a real appreciation of what Jesus did for us. Amen? Amen. All right. Thank you for letting me share that. This is going to be really great. Thank you. Brittany's going to come up and sing, and we're going to close. Thank you.
this will fit right in there perfect, isn't it? Always. Drew, you want to come up and close this tonight? Thank you. Drew's going to close this in prayer. Amen. All right. Thanks, Drew. Thanks, everybody. Have a great night. God bless. Till we meet again. Peace.